0: Here at Irish on Tap, are here to view Michigan recap. We are completely off the rails after the derailment of our, at one point, college football hopeful playoff. Uh, you know, I would say birth or at least a shot at it. But you know, this is not going to be a traditional episode by any stretch of the imagination. I got Brian Mishler with me on the mic tonight. Brian, how are you, brother?
1: I mean, not the best. I don't think any of us envisioned Notre Dame getting just thoroughly dominated in every facet of the game. I, honestly, going in, I was confident the Fighting Irish would win, but I would have not have been surprised at all by them losing. But I just cannot believe the defense gave up, what was it, 45 points. And it's just one of the most embarrassing losses in the Brian Kelly era. They not only – they just weren't there mentally or emotionally. They weren't mentally prepared. They got destroyed at the point of attack at the at the line of scrimmage, which is uncharacteristic for that defensive line, and quite frankly, completely inexcusable. And it's just, I'm not doing well. And honestly, the more I, the more further removed I get from this game, the more pissed off I get. So, it's not great.
0: Yeah, and it it was a game that you know shortly after the second drive you kinda looked at it and you were like, Well, yeah, we're not gonna hang tonight And this is the same song and dance that we see every time Ethan brought it up last where, you know, they get these ABC or these ESPN late night primetime games that everyone in the world's watching and they just get their shit rocked every time. And it's like very frustrating, especially to um, you know, Oklahoma this weekend too. So this game meant even more, you know, than it did at the beginning of the week. Now To go into that game and just lay an egg on the offensive side, to get dominated up front, not be able to rush the ball. They rushed the ball 41 times for 47 yards. That's just not Notre Dame football. We have a quality O-line. We have enough running backs, and Ian Book can even contribute to that number. And you just saw none of it work on Saturday. Uh, The defense, obviously, you know, they gave up the most points they've given up all year, and they did not look like themselves And up front, they were getting dominated. Michigan ran for over 300 yards across the board. It was not an ideal performance, and you know, Brian, you brought up an interesting point. Anytime, you know, it was a, it was inclement weather. It was crazy. How do you end up giving up 45 points in those conditions? It's almost like you got a 12th defender out there with the weather being that bad, and they just, you know, the passing game is pretty much out the window. They only got 100 yards, but they ran for 300 yards on the vaunted Notre Dame defense. And that just doesn't sit right with me.
1: Yeah, it's really – I remember back, uh, back what we were saying after the Louisville game, how we were worried about Notre Dame's front sevens, specifically the linebacking crew being the weakness this year. Not necessarily the whole front seven, but the linebacking crew and rushing defense being the weakness this year. And we never really saw it in any game – except Michigan. And that weakness ended up coming into fruition. They just got thoroughly dominated. I mean, it was pretty obvious what Michigan was doing by the second or third drive. They weren't trusting Shea Patterson downfield. He made a couple of good throws. He looked better than Ian book, but they were just running downhill right directly at the teeth of the Notre Dame supposedly loaded def- defense defensive end or defensive line and their front seven. And, if you're not an option team and you run for 300 yards, that is nuts. Like, that is extremely hard to do, and it's just a testament to how thoroughly they got dominated at the point of attack, and it's just sad. And honestly, a lot of it is on the players, but if you're the head coach of your football team, you're responsible for getting your team ready to play mentally, and they were not. Right from the get go, they just got just destroyed, and it looked like they were just falling asleep and didn't want to be there. Like it, it looked like they wanted to just get out of the rain as soon as possible, and it was just embarrassing on all on all levels.
0: Yeah, and and you know, you brought up like the rain, the weather, the environment. It was definitely you know probably a top three, top five environment that any of those kids have played in, and they've played in some big games, you know, over the last few years. Um 45 to 14 though is just absolutely unacceptable and you know it's it's becoming the recurring theme you brought up a point you know earlier before we actually you know before we started the podcast where you said I believe 10 years in a row where Brian Kelly has lost a game by 14 points correct
1: 14 points or more for 10 or more for 10 straight years yes it's nuts
0: Yeah and I mean obviously the you know the overall record is there but at the end of the day, when you can't win the big games, it's it, it almost it almost flips the script on the conversation that we had about Harbaugh last week. It's like, look, Kelly, you have a great record. You've got us NFL guys. You you know your players graduate. You're doing great things with the program. That part we're not worried about. We need to be able to perform on the big stage. We need to be able to win championships. We're not here to win the Pinstripe Bowl. We're not here to win the damn Cheez It Bowl or the Netflix Bowl or whatever the hell bowl game there is. We're here to compete for championships, and at the very least, a New Year's Six bowl. And I mean, we have a <laughs> now. We're speaking of a fighter's chance at getting a New Year's Six bid. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I, I think if they finish ten and two, they'll probably get it. But it's like, God damn, we we could have done so much more with this season. And the t- two of the biggest games we lost.
1: Yeah, I agree. And quite frankly, even if Notre Dame runs the table and goes undefeated, they do not deserve a New Year's Six bowl. I'm with you. Because of their name and brand, if they go ten and two, it's possible. But who the hell are like? Once they go ten and two, they have still beaten nobody. Like you can make a exactly. right now: their biggest win is Louisville, and second is to a mediocre USC team at home, in which they only won by three. Like this is one of the worst Notre Dame schedules I've ever seen in terms of strength of schedule. Partially, it's not their fault because USC, Stanford are nearly as good this year. But I mean. Even a 10-2 and two finish, I think, is still a failure. They had to at least go 11-1 this year, given their schedule. And not only did they not go 11-1 or 12-0, and 0, they got dominated by Michigan, their arch rivals. So, I just don't think... I thought last year, after Clemson destroyed Bama in their college football playoff, I really thought... I don't think Notre Dame is that far away from being a national title contender. But how can you just objectively look at this program and think to yourself, if you're a fan, this team is like pretty close to being among the college football police. I mean, the fact that they're just not, and it's oh, yeah. going to take a couple of years of really good recruiting classes to even be at that level. And they're just not there right now.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, you know, we do bring in quality recruiting classes, but the, the thing is, is once they get to South bend, And I'm going to bring this up too. You know, I think you wrote the piece on it. Once they get to South Bend, you got to be able to mold them. You got to be able to, to have them develop in that system. So you, I believe, wrote a piece this week, or maybe it was Chris, but Michael Young is transferring. So another recurring theme that we see year in and year out with the Brian Kelly system is a lot of guys are transferring and a lot of guys are you know, getting out of the South Bend because, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, I know you were part of that episode, but when we brought Max Redfield on, he, you know, he wasn't all too sappy about his former head coach at Notre Dame. And obviously he didn't leave on the best terms, but at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta be available to the players and you gotta be able to, you know, you're, you're, you're molding young men. This isn't an NFL team as a college football coach. It's an interesting dynamic because in a lot of situations, you're almost like a second father to them. So you're with them a majority of the time. And one of the biggest things that you saw this weekend, the team just wasn't prepared. And we had an extra week. So it's like there's no excuse to go and drop an egg in our, you know, in the biggest game for the rest of the season. You know, we brought it up. We play no one. We'll play maybe a couple teams that will get bowl invites, but no one that holds weight in the eyes of the committee, one that's going to be considered, you know, a real quality win or a win that you look back at the end of the season and go, hey, they, you know, they went into Sanford and they beat Georgia at the beginning of the season. We don't have that. So, yeah, unfortunately for us, you know, to, to foreshadow a little bit, it's looking like a Gator Bowl or a Capital One Bowl or, you know, some, some week. Nothing that, you know, moves the needle, as, as you would like to say, Brian. So, it is, it is very frustrating. And that was the toughest pill to swallow on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and it's bad because I kept giving myself false hope. I mean, with Notre Dame went down 17 to seven with that touchdown to Cole Komet with how badly they played. They're only down 10 with what four or five minutes left in the third quarter. I oh, yeah. believed at that situation that Notre Dame still had a very good chance of winning. And what do you know? The Michigan, they go right down the field and score because of a bunch of really, really bad. our pass interference. And I don't even think they were really bad calls. I think they might've been the right call. And it's just, I don't understand what the DBs were doing in that situation. And after that, it was effectively a moot point, especially given how badly Notre Dame's offense could not move the ball. So there was just so many bad, bad things to circle back to in that game. And really, nobody played well besides maybe Claypool. I don't know. It was bad.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, yeah, they're, you know, unfortunately we're both Bears fans and yesterday we saw it this loss doesn't fall on any one person it's it's on the unit as a collective it's on the coaching staff it it's from the top down everybody has to take a you know a chunk of this loss and you know it's tough moving forward knowing that the season in in our eyes and then you know they're, they're they're gonna say obviously you know in an ingratiating statement obviously we still have a lot to play for because they got to but you know there really is nothing truly left to play for except for our guys that you know we're gonna be seeing going to the NFL next year or you know people that are you know fighting for awards and stuff but other than that it's it's not a season that we're gonna look back at and be you know this is a successful season it's a it's gonna be an underachieved season, unfortunately. And you know, I I don't know if Ian Book is coming back, but if he does come back next year, I'd like to see a little bit of competition in camp.
1: Yeah, I I actually think the thing is it's a tough thing to do because if it was Book's last year of eligibility, you I I mean, you turn the tables to uh, Phil Yurkovich, I think no question. But people who are saying you gotta focus on your future, I mean book could be the future next year. I mean, he's coming back They They're, they're going to have another good roster. So you can, you can't just dump him and just turn the, turn the, turn the office over to Phil Yurkovich. So I think it's a really interesting dynamic moving forward. I think Yurkovich needs to start getting some meaningful snaps because you, I think you don't want to go into the off season, not knowing who's better between book and Yurkovich. I mean, there will be a QB competition next camp, obviously. But I think you need to give Yurkovich some meaningful snaps to be able to evaluate him in a game-like scenario. So you go into the offseason knowing which QB is probably the more talented one. Because Pelly even said in this press conference today the downfall on Yurkovich or the pushback of him starting is that he has no game experience. Well, I mean, dude, the only way he gets game experience is if you put him in the game in situations where it's beating and not when you're down by 25 or however, they, however many points they were down by against Mich- Michigan. So I think you maybe give him a starting starting job next up, or next week. I really think you should because Book has done nothing well. He doesn't even read defenses anymore well. There were many times he had missed pre-snap reads. He's a one. He's, he's a
0: one-read guy too. Yeah. Once he get you know, once he snaps, it it's trash to watch.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. There were multiple times when Clay when they were when Claypool and Komet were open downfield and he just doesn't step up into the pocket and make throws. Anytime there's any ounce of pressure, he gets happy feet and escapes the pocket rather than stepping up in the pocket and making a throw under pressure. He has never done that once this season.
0: No, yeah, and it's been absolutely irritating to watch at times. And it's like, 8-25, 8-25, you know, regardless of the weather conditions, regardless of last separation or whatever, there was a lot of drop passes, so it is a little bit of a tainted number, and the other thing that we haven't touched on yet, but the offense just looked out of sync from the jump, and we're a rushing team, and when you see the numbers that they had, it's like with guys like Tommy Kramer and Liam Eikenberg out there leading the way. And you got Tony Jones, Jafar Armstrong. You got, you know, you got Jameer Smith back there. You got Ian book. And you're telling me you're only able to muster up 47 yards in the entire game. It, it's absurd to me. And it's extremely irritating to see, especially in that national stage. And, you know, I brought up uh, prior to our pod, you know, prior to the game, but I saw it actually on College Game Day. Kirk Herbstreit you know, basically was of the same mindset that I was, and he said, "Look, the front seven of Notre Dame against Michigan's front seven is the most pivotal matchup of the game, and we got our, you know, we got our shit rocked. We had no, no answer, and it, it was it was tough to watch."
1: Yeah, I mean, it was one of the most embarrassing performances in the Brian Kelly era, right up there with Miami. I mean, you can pick and choose which one, but honestly, who gives a shit? They were both really bad. And I just wanted to touch on the point of, I mean, Brady Quinn is one of the most biggest Notre Dame lovers and Notre Dame advocates that is so positive. He even picked them to go back to the college football playoff in preseason. And he had a tweet that said like step dot 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 up dot 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 in the pocket, and then with a uh, like palm to the elbow emoji. So like when he's calling out Notre Dame players and being outwardly negative about them, you know it's really bad, and that's how bad it was with Ian Book. And I don't want to yeah you said about how yeah the- we don't
0: we never want to feel like we're attacking him. It was just it, it was tough to watch, yeah. and and we've seen great things from him, but you know. It, the one thing that we have not seen in the Ian Book era is the, the ability, and he just came across my screen on the on the TV right now. So God did hate to see that, but so sort did of Komet. But it, it, he has not been able to perform in that in that big game. It, it's not there. He has not had that big performance. And and Brian, I think if we go back to the first episode, the inaugural episode of Irish on Tap, that was one of the main topics that we had: is Brian Kelly a national championship quarterback? And this year it's proven that it's, it's not happening. And, you know, it yeah. remains to be seen. He may have one more year in this system, and that would be a hell of a ride next year. But, you know, it, it really just – it's the underlying theme of the season is, is the offense is not able to get the passing game going to the level that it should be at.
1: Yeah, and it's something that – it's funny. I actually wrote an article at the, before the season started, like, finally, in, like, the first time, it seems like, in the Brian Kelly era – that Ian Book or that Notre Dame won't have a QB controversy or controversy and they'll ride with Ian Book. And what do you know? They got housed by Michigan and it looks like Notre Dame's in a QB controversy. It just blows my mind how they find themselves in this position every year where they just do not have a quarterback they can count on. It's just nuts to me. Every single year there's an argument about why does Notre Dame's QB suck? Why can't he perform on the big stage? Who's the next man in? It happens every year, and it's one of the most its the, one of the most insane things of any sports team I've ever been a fan of because it's literally every year. But having said this, I don't want to put all the blame on Ian Book because it's, it's truly not all his fault. Like you said, the wide receivers dropped a lot of passes, and I'm a big fan of Chase Claypool and their tight end Cole Komet. But honestly, who does Notre Dame have besides those two on the outside? I really think that's been one of their biggest weaknesses the past five years. Is, I know they had Miles Boykin and some other guys, but they just lack some of the NFL speed that some of these other teams have. And on top of that, I don't – I think Chip Long needs to be gone out the window pretty much already at the end of the year. He, his, why did they run or pass the ball 25 times in a monsoon-like game? I mean, Michigan passed the ball twice or 12 times, and look how many po- more points they scored. It just blew my mind. And Dude, they were up like or- –
0: They were up, like, two possessions, and Patterson only had, like, three pass attempts.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were passing whenever Notre Dame was loading the box too much. But other than that, they were running it right at Notre Dame, which is exactly what you do when the weather conditions are like that. Like, sometimes the game is just really that simple of just running it down the other team's opponents' throat and using your your big O-line and your backs. I mean, Notre Dame has a very good O-line. And they might not have shown it last night or Saturday night, but they have also some dynamic backs as well. And even the times that Notre Dame did run, it was a bunch of horizontal, sideline-to-sideline run-pass options. Like, you cannot run slow-developing plays like that in those conditions. I was getting so heated when I kept seeing Book, who probably missed a lot of reads for all I know, but it's just slow-developing, drawn-out plays never really work in Notre Dame. They work when they play – front sevens that aren't fast, but whenever they play, like Clemson, they play Georgia, they play Michigan, whenever they play these fast... And they get defenses, eaten up. They got yeah, no they chance. they get eaten up, and these slow-developing plays don't work.
0: Yeah, and, and the issue is, and, and no pun intended, when it rains, it pours. Everything was, was looking terrible on that offense on, on Saturday, and it was like, like you said, they're going horizontal. They're not running up the field. That's what Good. Michigan was doing, and to to be able to get 300 yards... You know, for a vast majority of it, I'd have to look at the stats on it. But between tackles and running, you know, traditional old school ground and pound, you know, off tackles, you know, halfback die type plays, stuff that's just all up the middle and the teeth of that defense, and they're looking 300 yards. That just says a lot about your football team. And we, you know, coming into this game, maybe we just played some sorry ass teams, played some midget teams, but. We thought that this team was a lot more physical than they actually are, and they went out and got punched in the mouth early, and they had no answer.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was really nothing schematic that beat Notre Dame. It was just getting blown the doors off at the point of attack. And this was my fear going in into the season, and it really, like I said earlier, hasn't played out, but they really, really miss not only Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil, but they missed – probably most of all is Jerry Tillery and his behemoth self in the middle controlling that defensive line because they do not have that guy at all. I mean, that's why they got pushed back two yards every play.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, the the front is always, you know, the matchup that – that goes under the radar, but it was the most important matchup this week, and it was the matchup that we lost, and it wasn't even a close margin. And, I, you know, honestly, I I said it like that. I don't think there was a single matchup that we did win on Saturday. And, you know, even going into the press conference and stuff after that, it it hasn't been a good week to be Notre Dame. And I'm going to be honest with you, Brian. I don't know where you were at as far as, you know, where you were after the game or what was going on but I had to turn my phone off I couldn't even do it I was like no Twitter no Instagram no nothing I could not talk to anybody dude it was rough
1: yeah I didn't even get on Twitter because I knew it would be brutal but at the same time like I push back when the pushback is warranted but what could you say if you're a Notre Dame fan other than just agree with everything everybody was saying like the- I mean, I was just like, yeah, I mean, they sucked. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm not going to defend them after that. It was brutal.
0: Yeah. And the thing, and the thing is, too, is it's like, with Twitter, I usually don't get into too much of the banter, and, you know, especially during the game. I'm so focused on watching the game as we more, you know, divulge into this media world. I'll get better at the live tweeting and all that. But, you know, I am very passionate about my Irish and I, like you, Brian was trying to remain confident, you know, when it was seventeen-seven, I was like, all right, we got a good defense. We should be able to release something and get this together. They're not that quality of a team. You know, as far as the offensive side goes, but they beat us. It, it, they beat us nineteen twenty style, bro. They they did not. You know, they went back to the very beginning of football with the type of offense that they ran this Saturday, and they just destroyed us.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, sometimes this game really just is that simple. And Notre Dame, I mean, I feel like they've done this before in those types of conditions. I believe they to. They played NC State a couple of years back. And threw the ball like thirty times, and did the same thing, and they lost. Like, what are you doing? Like, you got to play with the conditions you're given. I just don't. I don't get it. And it's just really, Chip Long is going to be out after the year. And I'm the biggest Brian Kelly defender of all. I mean, Notre Dame is literally twenty-seven and six in their last thirty-three games, with losses only to Miami, Michigan, Georgia, and Clemson. Like, I mean, that's a pretty good pretty good track record with brian kelly but i mean at some point you got to win the big one and they just they just can't
0: no yeah and, and i'm gonna actually you know pose an interesting question to you right now so erase our history okay we're not notre dame we haven't won any of the national championships that we've won we don't have the rich history that we currently do have what makes us different the boise states or the smus or the houston's or small schools that play in non-power five conferences that are fighting for these same, you know, these power six bowls or these this respect from the committee that has an outsider view that's not in a conference. What makes us different to them right now, in my opinion, or in yeah, your? Yeah, I mean,
1: other than the brand, there's really nothing. I mean, Notre Dame has a tougher schedule because, like you said, they're not in a conference and can pretty much schedule whoever they want. But I mean, I agree. Without their brand in which they have built up in the mid-1900s I mean it's been a while and I think I do I still think this They're positioned well for the next two three even maybe four years if they keep up with this recruiting because they have a loaded 2021 class but I mean it's just tough to be an Irish fan and have anything positive to say right now
0: yeah and you know like I stated at the beginning it wasn't going to be a traditional episode not our normal outline and And you kind of feel robbed after this weekend, you know, especially, you know, having the bye week and and enough time to prepare. We had kind of touched on the previous to the podcast or previously on the podcast last week where Oklahoma traditionally loses, you know, one of their big 12 games and sure shit, they go out and lose to Kansas State. So the opportunity was there for the taking. We were going to be able to move up in the rankings. All you had to do was go out there and take care of business and, you know, we did not capitalize on that. And I mean, we got, we got to play Virginia tech this week and it'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll be a decent game, but it's, it's not anything that, you know, it's not a needle mover. It's not, it's not anything that is going to really help us in the long run. You know, we're, we just got a couple people left on the schedule at this point. We got a couple, not rich histories, but you know, there is a little bit of history with Boston college of, you know, Virginia tech being one of the ACC tie-ins. It, It's some teams that for them, it's their Super Bowl, obviously, because it's us, but it's like, let's just get out of this season and to play whoever we play in the bowl game, win and let's get ready for next season at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is, it's, yeah, it's just like finishing the season on a high note. These players aren't going to quit. And I I, I really, I mean, 10 and 2 is fine, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lose another game. But I mean, that's a, that's a discussion for a different day. I yeah, like <laughs> well,
0: I mean, we we can get into it because that is something that we haven't seen in a few years. But there is usually one of those like stinkers on there, like they lost to Pitt, I remember. Yeah. They you know, they lose they lose one of those wild games where you're like, Are you serious right now?
1: Isn't Kelly Kelly's never won at Stanford, right?
0: Well yeah, and they haven't won at Stanford since two thousand seven, but Stanford is really, really down this year. Oh, I, really, I really I really mean, don't see that.
1: I wouldn't be surprised, man. There's after what I just witnessed on Saturday, nothing would surprise me.
0: You bring up we'll a go good to point. Duke and yeah.
1: lose. I mean just like sometimes this Irish team just doesn't come to play. We've seen it every we've seen it almost every year in this Brian Kelly era. So, I mean, I still think ten and two, they could maybe even get to the New Year's six bowl like you're saying, only because of their brand and they'd probably garner a lot of money, which is sad to admit, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's really the only hey, thing. Yeah, the money,
0: the money is always involved. But, yeah, it's like, I mean, 10-2, 9-3, wherever they finish, it is what it is. But it's like year in and year out, you know, college football, you will you know, it, it's, it's crazy because there is no sport that has a season like college football, okay? So the margin for error is, you know, you lose one game, you could potentially be out of the race. Yeah, so you, I mean,
1: they're They are one thousand percent out of the college football playoff race. There's no Oh yeah,
0: no. No, no I'm not saying for them, but I'm saying, you know, the margin for error the margin for error for any team is, you know, a lot of times, even in the BCS times, you have to go undefeated even to get to the championship game. So it's like
1: Yeah, I mean like you said, you called it last episode with Oklahoma losing a big twelve game right before big for Notre Dame. I was even watching the game. Um, pretty aggressively because I I knew it was big for Notre Dame and I just after Michigan I'm just thinking well that I just wasted my entire afternoon doing that because Notre Dame just did absolutely nothing so I mean we pretty much beaten the dead horse nothing about Notre Dame they did on Saturday was well they were they were out coached they are out prepared both from an X's and O standpoint and from a mental just preparedness emotion emotion preparedness type of level and it was just sad to see and there's really nothing positive to say
0: yeah nothing nothing to go forward with at this point obviously we got the game this saturday against virginia tech we'll be looking to get you guys an episode and we will have one for you you know for your morning commute whether that be thursday morning friday morning get ready to see that episode but you know from here on out brian i'm sure you're of the same mindset and you know as another loss piles on the schedule, uh, you know, obviously we want to go undefeated from here on out, give the seniors, you know, a good final, you know, final season at Notre Dame, hopefully get a bowl victory, whether that be a new year six or whatever bowl they fall in, just continue to try and build the brand and build, you know, what guys that we have coming back for next year too. So interesting point that you brought up is about Phil Yurkovich. Obviously I don't think he'll see any time this year, But Ian Book also, you know, let's be honest, he's not going to be going to the NFL next year. So let's take, yeah. So let's take the time that we have with Ian Book this year and develop him to the point where he's not making these same mistakes next year, and we can, you know, we can make a run at it next year. But you know, for this week, it's been fun, Ryan. At least you know being able to recap it with someone that's on the same page as me because everyone that I've talked to about this game is a Michigan fan, and they have just been. Talking to all this shit, and I'll give it to him. It was tough, so you have anything else for our listeners this week?
1: Nope, I do not, and like you said, sometimes the opposing fan the opposing fanhood is just normally correct, and at this, at this stage, there's really nothing you can say to a Michigan fan other than congrats, and We'll see you in 2033.
0: Oh, yeah, and that's the worst part. And I'm actually going to shout out to my girlfriend real quick because she was with us. Uh, Me and Ethan were watching the game. We were actually at the NIU game. She saw across the screen the graphic that said – oh, they're not going to play again until 2033. And she dropped that line like mid-third, mid-fourth quarter while I was just face palming like, bruh. And she's like, I don't think they're playing for another 14 years. So I think this game means a little bit more. So, yeah, shout-out to my girlfriend on that. Irish, we going to get a victory this weekend uh, against Virginia Tech. Catch us at the ONTAP Sportsnet. Brian, you know, Brian, share your Twitter handle real quick for the listeners.
1: Yep, it's at Brian Mischler, B R I A N M I S C H L E R.
0: Yes, and we'll try to get all four panelists, or at least Ethan and Chris, on with the next episode for Irish on TET. It was a pleasure speaking Irish football with you. And go
1: Irish.